welcome to another episode of Watch the Game presented by the Nation Network. I'm your host Sam Blazer, and I'll be joined by Cam Lewis in just a little bit, but I'm going to give a little opening spiel before we get into that. Uh, we're going to actually have our interview with Travis Hughes from Broad Street Hockey uh, and SB Nation NHL, talk about the league and what's been going on around the quarter season mark of the season. Um, it's a good conversation. I won't waste your time too long. Um, Cam did want to tell everyone that this episode was sponsored by Gatorade, though. So, uh, thanks to our sponsors. We'll be right back. We are back and now joined by Travis Hughes, leader over at SB Nation NHL, and also does some work over at Broad Street Hockey. What's the title over there at Broad Street Hockey, if you don't mind me asking? Oh, I don't know. They're all made up, man. (laughs) Uh, I don't know. I'm just Travis. (laughs) (laughs) No worries. Now, I got a question for you, kind of relating to what you do over Broad Street Hockey. Sure. Uh, You know, I'm I'm based here in Columbus, Ohio, and I don't think there's anything that people want more than a rivalry with the Pittsburgh Penguins. It's... You know they they want it more than anything itself, and but overall, you know, the Flyers and the Penguins have a great deep seated rivalry. What does a full fledged hockey rivalry look like, and what is that like for you as a writer for someone that has to cover it? Yeah, you know, I think the biggest thing with a rivalry, at least from a fan's perspective, and look, like all rivalries are based on more on how the fans feel about each other than the players. I think, and I think the players kind of feed off of that. Um, you know, when a rivalry is really going in, in, in the most true sense of the form. But, um, you know, that, that's why, you know, a lot of the rivalries, I think, in the Northeast in particular, because people are literally forced to live around people who root for other teams, I think that that's a big part of it. Um, you know, I think that, yeah, people in Pennsylvania, you know, there are, there are Penguins fans in Philly and there are Philly fans in Pittsburgh and, um, you know, and you get you have people in the middle of the state who who it's all it's, it's all messy, and you know people have to deal with Penguins fans a lot, um, <laughs> and, and that's the biggest part of the rivalry, I think. Obviously, you know it takes the teams being good at the same time. Um, proximity isn't the only thing. Um, you know, it takes it takes a lot of history. You know, but but there there are a lot of different things that kind of feed into it, and I think in the case of the Flyers and the Penguins, um, you know, I mean they've been around for for fifty years together, and that time certainly certainly is a big part of it. Um, you know, the fans have had that time to, you know, obviously there have been a lot of playoff series and a lot of, obviously a lot of regular season games. And, you know, there's just a lot of history on the ice between the teams, but also, you know, 50 years of, of me having to live next to a Penguins fan in southern New Jersey, which doesn't make any sense. And um, we'll get under your skin, like in a very real way, right? Or... You know, we have the same thing in Philly with the Rangers and the Devils. Um, you know, a lot of playoff matchups, a lot of divisional games. And, um, yeah, you know, going to school in South Jersey, I had to go to school with Rangers fans and Devils fans. Um, and that, that, that is a big part of it as well. And I think that's the truest part of it. Um, I think that that probably exists between Columbus and Pittsburgh, the proximity, certainly. Um, but they don't have the history. And, you know, what they have the one playoff series, I guess. Um, so, you know, I think that... As these teams, now that they're in the same division, start to play, you know, important matchups more often, um, that rivalry is going to grow. Is it ever going to supplant what the Penguins have with the Flyers or with the Capitals or the Rangers? Um, maybe not, but um, there's no reason that Columbus, you know, if, if they are what they are this year and if they continue moving forward with a exciting young team, then, um, you know, there's no reason that they can't squeeze their way in there as well no doubt it's just frustrating at times obviously as you know an onlooker to see what they're you know trying to put like a a square peg in a round hole and you're kind of like you know just let this stuff happen and you know let it happen out on the ice rather than you know trying to force something to happen now branching off of what we talked about broad street hockey uh obviously leading the charge over at sb nation is a a pretty big deal for those that don't know what what is the day-to-day like for those out of the loop over there uh what what is it like being almost the uh the hockey czar over at sb nation yeah you know it's it's a cool gig um you know i i oversee uh, you know, all 30, 30, 33 of our hockey sites. And, um, you know, the day in and day out, I just get to read all this cool stuff that our, that our sites do. And, um, you know, our sites are fantastic across the board. And, um, you know, they're, they're doing some really cool stuff. The communities are great. And, you know, it's just a fun thing to be a part of. It's a fun thing to, you know, essentially you get to have some control over, like, how people enjoy their, their hobby, you know, and, and enjoy hockey. And um, I think that's really cool. Um, you know, I love, 
get, you know, going to events and getting the opportunity to meet readers and, and honestly getting to meet our writers too, because we're so scattered and we're so all over the place. And, um, you know, every time I get to go to an event and meet, meet the people who contribute on our sites, it's really awesome. And, uh, you know, it's just a, it's just a really cool place. You know, we have really awesome communities. You know, we've had people get married because they met in our comments sections and, <laughs> um, you know, and, and, and kids who have been born because of that and, you know, things like that. And I think that's really awesome. And I think it's a really unique connection that, um, you know, I think SB Nation is, is a really special place in that regard. And I think that, um, you, you know, that's, that's, that's rare. I mean, there, there are obviously communities all around the web. Um, but I think that ours are, ours are very tight knit and, you know, a lot of them have been around for, you know, pushing a decade now. I think that, um, Mile High Hockey, I believe was our first hockey site, I think off the top of my head. Um, or it, could, it might've been pension plan puppets either way. You know, we've had these communities that have been around for just about 10 years. And, uh, I think that's pretty cool. And I think that, uh, you know, we've had a lot of the readers and a lot of the writers are still around from those times. So, um, that, that makes it special as well. And it's very, it's very, very cool to be a part of. Mile High Hockey also had an article out today talking about their start, which I thought was pretty interesting yeah. reading that today. Just, you know, you're even at this point where you're able to talk about the history of it, which is kind of crazy to even think about. Um, yeah, we were, um, yeah, we, we were, we were actually just sitting here in the office yesterday and, um, our, our, you know, we're here in DC and our Washington Wizards blog, uh, Bullets Forever was started by a guy, Mike Prada and Prada is now our, uh, now our NBA editor. And we were going back and I think their 10th birthday was over the weekend and we were reading their post and we went back and looked at the old blog spot blog that Prada started when he, you know, before he even started Bullets Forever. And, um, you know, it's like cool, cool. It's all, it's all on the internet too, right? That's, that's, that's what's yeah. so cool about it too. Um, you can all, you can go back and actually read how awful your writing was back in 2008. So. <laughs> exactly. That's also when I started, I know like it was about four years or so ago to write about hockey. I read one of my first posts and I read it and I was like, Ooh, I'm really glad that I got better over a period of time. Obviously, still improving, but you know, and it actually kind of segues into my next question. Uh, a lot of times, the mainstream media looks down on you know bloggers and uh, you know people who you know kind of do it more as a hobby. Obviously, on your end, you don't. But what do you make of the mainstream media blogger wars? You've obviously worked hard to yeah. get where you are. Does it first? Does it frustrate you, or does it motivate you? It's a little bit of both. Um, I think I'd be lying if I said it didn't. It didn't frustrate me in, in some senses. I mean, look, like like for I think Pension Plan Puppets in Toronto is a fantastic example. Um, the Toronto Maple Leafs won't credential us, but <laughs> like Pension Plan Puppets has a huge audience, and and they're they're an influential audience. And um, you know, frankly, there's no reason why that team shouldn't have at least some access to the to the players and to the organization. You know, they won't even really talk to us. So it's. It's frustrating, um, you know, and we have to deal with that. And for the most part, most of those issues have gone away. Um, and I think you can see this in all sports too. Like across the board, we're we're pretty we're in with most teams, and most teams give us the time of day. And um, a lot of hockey teams were kind of the first to do that, you know, back in like two thousand eight, two thousand nine. Um, so I think that you know the NHL is, and the NHL has always been very good to us too as a whole. So you know, I think that there are. Um, while there are some teams that it's a little frustrating that we don't necessarily get the same respect despite having a, a large audience, I think that um, it, it, for the most part it is pretty good. Um, it also is motivating because you do want to, you know, you, you, you want to prove your legitimacy. And I, I think that we've done that. I mean, we have, you know, we have like 300 million <laughs> um, pages a month. Like people read our websites. Um, so it's, it's, you know, I think that we've proven our legitimacy. I don't necessarily know if, if in some cases, obviously access is important, but you know, I think we're getting along just fine without it. It does get frustrating when you talk to other reporters. And I think that, you know, there, there is, there is an element of like, like a lot of longtime reporters, particularly who, and I kind of understand it in the sense that like, they've been doing this for a whole career. They're full-time people. And then people who basically do this for a hobby show up and, you know, that's the whole, that's, that's, that's really the crux of the argument on, on, from their perspective. Um, but then, but then on our side, I mean, our, I think the perspective is, Hey, like the work is good. There's room for everybody. We can, we can all get along. And, um, I think that that's, that's where it's kind of going and that's where, that's where we're closer to these days, but there are still obviously the disagreements and, um, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting to be a part of it is a little frustrating because I think that, I think that there are people who do fantastic work on both sides of that divide and, um, it's only, the lines are only becoming more blurred every year. Um, so, you know, I think we're not that far away from, from, 
you know, living in a world where, you know, it, it doesn't really matter if you're from a legacy publication like the, you know, like the New York Times or you're or you're writing for Blue Shirt Banter, for example. So um, I think that we're we're close to that. Um, I was I was just about to say, you know, in the internet age, the lines are getting more and more blurred. You mm-hmm. you, you you can't really, you know, sit on one side and just say, you know, you're doing this because uh, because you can just like put throw this up on a website. But there's a vetting process. There's different ways that people can get yeah. in there, and it's it, I th- think a lot of times people overlook that part of it. Don't you think? I, I, yeah, I completely agree. And I think the, the one thing that we get tagged with a lot is that, is that we come from a fan perspective. And you know, the argument I like to make on on that front is. You know, everybody has a bias, right? Like whether if, if you're a beat writer, you're you have your own biases. Whether they're, you know, you're you're an old curmudgeon who just doesn't like the sport anymore, or you know, maybe you're beholden to a source or something like that, or you know, um, th- there are a lot of different things. But but I think that you know, obviously fans have biases too. Um, you know, a, a, but but I think it's it's at the very least they're wearing them on their sleeve, right? And they're mm-hmm. they're saying straight up like. If you're a fan of the Philadelphia Flyers and you're writing from that perspective, yeah, your your sole motivation is you probably want the Flyers to win the Stanley Cup, right? So like mm-hmm. that is that is where you're coming from and, and that's obvious and I think that once you present that bias, people can make the judgment um, you know, make the judgment otherwise. Yeah. Um, now, you you cover the NHL at large uh, and you know, it, it's getting up to the quarter season mark actually a little bit past it at this point and I just want to ask you a couple of you know overarching questions about it. Sure. The, the, the first being, what what is the biggest surprise in the league for you this year? It could be a team, it could be a player. Uh, there seem to be like more more than usual uh, on that edge. Is that there's a lot of surprises, even like names like Sam Gagne. Uh, obviously, yeah. since it, I'm close to that, the Blue Jackets that you know that he seems to be like surprising, but he's not even getting the same pub as a lot of the other players. Who's the yeah. who's the person or team for you? It's it's the Blue Jackets. I think that you know, and and obviously you know, I'm I, I live in D.C. and I, I cover the Flyers and um, I watch a lot of Metropolitan Division hockey. Um, the whole division has been kind of surprising. You know, I oh, think yeah. that that's obviously been the story of the last couple of weeks and and whatnot. But you know, the Blue Jackets are clearly the team in that mix that are that are the most surprising. Um, did John Tortorella become a good coach all of a sudden? Like, <laughs> I don't really know. Like, I don't really know what to think about it. I don't know. You know, if they're going to come back down at some point, you know, it is obviously still early in the season. But, um, yeah, I mean, that's 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 really the story to me. And I'm just I'm just curious to see where that goes, because it really looks like they're they're for real right now. And, um, yeah, you mentioned Sam Gagne. And it's it's interesting that uh, and correct me if I'm wrong. You watch the Blue Jackets more than I do. But it seems like they're using him on the fourth line. But he's also on the top power play unit. Is that? <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's yeah. kind of bonkers because the, he's playing with Matt Calvert, who's kind of been a bottom six, uh, mm-hmm. you know, staple there, and Lucas Sedlak, who's uh, a player who's on the uh, Calder Cup winning team last year, and they're you know he's producing at an okay clip at even strength still, but on the power play, he's playing with, you know, Alexander Weinberg, Cam Atkinson, Nick Foligno. And that's why, and Zach Wierenski. So it's, it all kind of makes sense. And there's a confluence right now of just how everyone is on a hot streak on that power play and, or, you know, have like some of the leading points in the league. It's just, it's really, really weird how it's all coming together right now. Yeah. Yeah. And the whole division is, is kind of fun. I mean, I think that, you know the Flyers have been have been obviously on fire. You know as we're recording this, they're you know they've won nine straight. I don't I don't know when this is gonna air, but um, you know they won nine straight, and you know it, it's <laughs> it, they haven't gained any ground though. Really, I mean they they've created that gap between you know the top five teams in the division and I guess New Jersey um, and the Islanders, but um, and Carolina. Uh, I guess they're still hanging around down there, but um, <laughs> but you know I think that you know it's it's in it's those top five teams have really separated themselves obviously, and I, I wouldn't be shocked if all five teams made it at this point. And, you know, I mean the only team in the Atlantic that looks like it's doing anything impressive is Montreal, and you know I guess I guess there might you might be able to call that surprising a little bit too. Um, but Carey Price is in net, so can you be all that surprised then anyway? But um, you know the only team that really seems to be running away with anything in, in, in the Atlantic is Montreal. So I think that. You could very easily have five teams that finish ahead of the the second place team in the Atlantic, right? I mean, the way things are trending at this point, so yeah. um, it's crazy. It's 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 absolutely nuts. I read. I think it was a lot of the models that are out there. You know, Mike McCurdy and a couple of people like that. They're averaging you know these teams you know a little bit below 100 points. But according according to like the point percentage right now, all these teams are trending at above 100 points. 
Yeah. Which is like a- absolutely out of this world considering like, you know, they're going to be playing each other at some point. <laughs> and it's right. just, it's just all, uh, you know, craziness. But do you right. have. And, and, yeah. Sorry. Well, and uh, yeah, sorry, not to interrupt. But yeah, I mean, just the, just a little final point on that. I think that like, has a team ever made, never had a, over 100 points and missed the playoffs? Because theoretically, I suppose that could happen, right? Yeah. Um, that's, which would just be, I mean, ludicrous. I, I could, I couldn't even put it, like, I think for the Blue Jackets overall. And of course, you know, this is supposed to be like an NHL based podcast. And I'm always every once in a while, I'm just so darn excited about the team that I'll just like sneak in a couple of comments here and there. And I say, you know, like, wouldn't it be the most Blue Jackets thing ever if they got over like 100 points or got like 98 points and they ended up like missing the playoffs? That would be the most absurd thing. But, you know, I at this point, I wouldn't really be surprised. And I don't think I'd even be mad. I would just kind of be like, you know what, this is this is kind of the fate of the franchise at this point. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But, the, uh, you know, kind of big, uh, piggybacking off the, the Metro talk, um, I was wondering if you had a quarter season MVP that you wanted to anoint. And I also wanted to give you an out. You know, if you want to tap on your keyboard and say Sidney Crosby via Morse code, you can. <laughs> well, sure. <laughs> is he, uh, is he, yeah, is he the well, person I mean, for you? Probably. Um, but that does feel like a cop-out because it's almost too easy. Um, I mean, Connor McDavid, there's an argument there probably, right? Um, mm. But I think that, you know, again, like I'll, I'll kind of go into my wheelhouse in the Metropolitan or, or in, in, the East, in the Eastern Conference, I guess. Carey Price could be one. I mean, I, I don't think that the... I mean, we all saw like what his worth to that team was last year. Um, you know, when he went down with injury, that team kind of fell apart. And obviously now they're 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 going to win the Atlantic probably. So um, Carey Price is another easy one. Obviously Crosby. Um, but, you know, I think that there, there are a lot of options. I mean, if you're looking at it over the last couple of weeks, like you could argue that like, you know, not, not, not necessarily like a quarter mark MVP, but like Auntie Ranta in, in, in New York. I mean, he's mm-hmm. been fantastic and he's, the reason why the, the Rangers have been playing so well lately are, are a big part of it, at least. So, um, you know, you could argue uh, like Jake Voracek or Steve Mason in Philly. Um, you know, there, I think there are a lot of a lot of different guys who are really, really propelling a lot of these these Eastern Conference teams up into the up into where they are right now. And, uh, you know, it, it, I don't think you, you necessarily could pick one. Um you know, there are a lot of goalies, though. I mean, I think that's what we get early in the season, right? We get, you know, teams that are kind of kind of boosted by, by how goaltending play and or, or sunk by it in, in, on the other end. But, um, you know, I think we, we get a lot we get a lot of that. And, and that kind of tends to even out as the season goes on. So um, those are always interesting storylines to follow as the as the season goes, gets gets closer to the halfway point. Speaking of one of the more recent storylines, and I think this uh, came from SB Nation NHL originally, um, obviously the Vegas Golden Knights have had a little bit of a trademark issue. But in terms of uh, excitement, how excited are you for like the Vegas Golden Knights to join the league as a fan or even as a writer to cover them? Uh, I'm, I'm kind of want to like start a countdown clock until we get the first <laughs> gambling story to come out of yeah. there and or you know a player going out late at night. Uh, is this just going to be almost <laughs> – like you know, is it going to be almost nonstop content on that front, or what? What's going to happen out there? Do you think? Yeah, I mean, I'm excited we get to launch a new blog. Um, that'll be fun. Yeah. Um, but you know, I think that you know, there's going to be like mock expansion drafts and all that sort of stuff. And I think that that's really fun and different. Um, you know, and and stuff that we don't get to do all that often, obviously. So um, excited for that. But uh, you know, on the ice, I'm I'm very curious to see how this works out. I think that I think that the NHL did a really good job with. You know, the expansion draft is obviously a little bit more robust this time around than it was for, say, Atlanta or Columbus. And, um, you know, we all saw that like, how long it took those teams to find their footing. And in, in the case of Atlanta, they never did. And they wound up relocating for it. So, you know, the NHL's learned their lesson from that, I think. I think that they they are they're 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 they're, they're doing all they can to make sure that this Vegas team is competitive, at least at least not horrible for the first several years. Like, you know, they, they probably won't be a playoff team in their first year, right? Or, or even their second year. But as long as they're somewhat competitive and they can keep those that, that fan base around and keep that honeymoon period going, um, you know, I think that that's, that's, um, that's, that's obviously vital because they clearly have the fan base. I mean, look at ticket sales. I mean, that speaks for itself. But, um, you know, beyond that, you have to you have to keep those people around and you have to keep those people interested and hey if if the Oakland Raiders wind up moving to Vegas as they've been rumored to want to do and um you know 
there are other options in Vegas, obviously, for people to spend their money. So they're going to need to keep keep a lot of interest in that team. And the only way you can do that is really by winning. So uh, I'm interested to see how it works out. I think that off ice, you know, it's going to be really interesting to see how the players, you know, who, obviously what, you know, who, who, who winds up going there um, and how those players are able to adjust to playing in Las Vegas because that arena is right there on the strip and there are obviously a lot of distractions in that town. So um, and, and not to say that there aren't distractions in New York City or in, in, in Los Angeles mm-hmm. or in any other major city, but um, Vegas is obviously a different beast and, um, I'm really interested to see, to see how that goes. I, I think it'll be fine. I think that, you know, but, but, you know, that, that organization is going to have to assist their players and they're going to have to stay vigilant because I mean, hockey players are human and they are in their twenties and they have a lot of money. So, you know, it could be a dangerous situation. Um, but I think that, I think that I, I'm, I'm confident that, or maybe not confident, but, I, but I'm, I'm leaning towards uh, being confident that the NHL will be able to be able to handle that properly. I think the league is kind of scared of a possible, uh, you know, money phone situation with Evander Kane because I feel like for the like that's still pe- people are still talking about that in connection to Vegas, and I, I it blows my mind, uh, you know that you know this is something that is still being talked about. You know, how could someone go out there and do something like that? It's just. Absurd. Yeah. And I, I think that's more, more attributed to the NHL and being, you know, as uptight as they are and, you know, a little bit out, out of whack. But, you know, I, and of course, I want to end on, the, uh, you know, a lighter note and kind of talk about the league in general. Um, and last question from you. What, what is your favorite storyline in the league this year? We kind of talked about the biggest surprise and we talked about the MVP. But is there a, a storyline in particular that, you know, you've been following and uh, have been enjoying? Yeah, I, I I've actually really enjoyed the Vegas story. I think that it's it's cool. Um, it's cool that the NHL is the first team, the first league to go there. Um, there's obviously a lot of excitement. Uh, I I really have enjoyed kind of following that story, even with all the all the weird frustrations and all the you know the, the they obviously have the trademark issue now and you know all, all of that you know waiting forever for the name and all that stuff. But I think it's brought some it's brought some some new perspective a little bit. And I think it's brought some, you know, it's, it's a, obviously a different story. And I think it's, it's just, it's fun to kind of look through this entire season on the ice without the Vegas team through the lens of what it's going to be like next year. And particularly when it comes to the expansion draft. And, you know, that's kind of one of the more interesting subplots in, in the entire NHL this year, because, you know, in some cases with some teams you have, you know, there are probably teams out there and maybe we don't even really kind of recognize what they're doing quite yet because we don't know what their strategy is because they haven't tipped their hand, but they might be playing guys this year to get them to to the threshold where they can, you know, um, you know, where, where it works out for them, whatever they're trying to do in the expansion draft. So kind of trying to like figure all that stuff out and figure out what teams are thinking and, and how they're going to approach this expansion draft is really one of the more interesting little subplots of the league this year without a doubt now before i let you go i'm going to give you an opportunity to plug your twitter account where we can find your writing and if you've like been watching a tv show or a movie that you think that uh, our listeners <laughs> should check out um the yeah. floor is now yours yeah um you know, I'm, I'm travis sbn on twitter um sbn sb nation um and um yeah we're broad street hockey on twitter as well um i think that you know it's primarily uh, charlie o'connor and uh, kurt uh, kurt r and um, a couple other folks who are who are doing most of the day to day over at Broad Street Hockey, and I think that they do a fantastic job covering that team. And um, you know, I, I chip in when I can, and and when I when I uh, have, I feel like I have something to say. But for the most part, you know, those guys are just doing an amazing job. And um, I, I would say, if if you're if you're into the Flyers at all, um, even if you're not, I think that the the podcast that Charlie and uh, Steph Driver and Bill Matz and Kelly Hinkle do every week. Uh, covering the Flyers is one of the more fun things we've been doing this season, and um, I really enjoy listening to, to that every week. So um, please check that out. We have a new episode up uh, up uh, what today? T- today is Tuesday, um, so please listen to that. Um, and uh, yeah, what was the other question? A TV show or movie that you've seen yeah. recently that you'd want uh, people to check out? Yeah, so I have like the last like eighty minutes of Westworld to watch still, um, but oh, I think it's been. Um, <laughs> It's 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 I, there have been multiple times during during the show that um, I've like sat up in my bed <laughs> or in my chair and been like, oh, crap, you know, like like what like audibly like shocked at what happened in the show. So, um, you know, I won't spoil anything, but I think it's just a just a really awesome concept and a really awesome, um, you know, the acting is phenomenal. 
And uh, I think the writing is, you know, a lot of twists and turns. Um, it keeps you on your toes, but um, I, I think that it's it's just a it's a very well done show, and I'm really enjoying it. And I'm I'm really sad that I only have a little bit of the last episode left because uh, I don't think it's going to come back for season two until like 2018. So <laughs> um, that's kind of a bummer. I know, right? Di- very disappointing. I tend to agree. The first couple episodes, I thought like the wheels were kind of just you know spinning there, but now at the at the home stretch there, you know, it doesn't get much better than that. That's yeah. Sure. And you know, I, I watched um, I watched it kind of more in order i didn't watch it i didn't watch it from the start um i got into it maybe maybe like episode eight was airing when i started watching it so um i I got to watch more of it in order and i think that that helped i think that um if you're watching it yeah with with a week gap i can you know in between each episode i can i can uh i can imagine that being a little frustrating and you know, I feel a little disjointed. No, for sure, no doubt. Now, Travis, we appreciate you coming on today and uh, lending us your time, and uh, we hope to have you on again sometime soon. Yeah, cool. Appreciate it. Thanks, Sam. And we're back after our conversation with Travis Hughes. Cam Lewis is now joining me on the line. Uh, Cam, how you doing today, buddy? Do I count as a guest this time? If you're interviewing somebody else, and now you're interviewing me, am I a guest? I don't know. Am I still a co-host in this episode? How about when you were on with George Richards? Was I the guest that episode, even though I was hosting it? Uh, yeah, see, I don't know. That's that's kind of the confusing thing, is I don't know if I should consider myself, like when we're running through and making the title this time, should you say that Sam welcomed you know, Travis Hughes to the show and would welcome Cam later, or that... You always put, you always put your the, name ahead yeah. of mine, and like... The, well, I, because I, my... Because Cam comes first in the alphabet. It's Cam and Sam, and it rhymes. And the first one in the alphabet has to come first. Oh, is that how this works? That's I, only fair. It's, yeah, oh, you have your alphabetical alphabetical order when you're listing names is the best way to do it. Okay, interesting. Uh, I, I'm not sure about that, but you know, I'll I'll let it slide. No, but our conversation with Travis is great. Talking about the Flyers a little bit. Right, this is going to be kind of a little bit of a Trevor, uh, not Travis week, but a Flyers week. Uh, talking about them a little bit and what they've been able to accomplish. Um, this year, and that was Cam drinking loudly uh, from his yeah. water bottle, which he may do I, from time to time. I try to move the water bottle away from where the microphone is on my laptop so nobody can hear it, but I guess I just do it so loud that it doesn't even matter. Because that time I, I tilted my head all the way to the side. You can see me. I got my video on. You, you can see the effort that I'm making. Unfortunately, the listeners can't, listeners can't see that, but hopefully they appreciate the effort that I'm putting in to remain quiet with my with my noises. Since the last time we recorded, there's a few things that have happened. Another water bottle sound, you yeah. jerk. Uh, the Montreal Canadiens absolutely took it to the Colorado Avalanche 10-1 game. That was unbelievable. Uh, what do you think of the Avalanche thus far? They're they're not a team we have uh, we've talked about too much, but do you have any belief in them at all, or is this just going to be a team that's destined for mediocrity, or in this case, like the the NHL basement? They're really bad. <laughs> There's really no way around that. Their decor is hideous. Uh, and then, I mean, Eric Johnson, who isn't the greatest, gets injured. And that's, again, like another defenseman who, I mean, while he's not spectacular, still like logs a lot of minutes. And now it's, you know, Francois Beauchemin and Tyson Berry. Tyson Berry is not having himself a very good season after being a big part of controversy all summer where people were unsure whether he was going to be offered that long-term contract or if they were going to fire him away, and they ended up signing him, and he's been quite bad this year, actually. is probably the worst season that he's had in quite a few years, and now their defense is just putrid. I mean, Feder Tutin's playing almost uh, just uh, just over 19 minutes a game, and I think you can attest to how not nice that is. It's it's just an ugly team, and I would I said this last summer when we did our off-season series, is that when Patrick Waugh quit, or I don't know what the, whatever the hell happened there, they're going to be better for it long term. But it's it's really not all too surprising that they're having a rough season, just because I mean the coaching change is generally it takes teams quite some time to you know deal with that, and the roster itself isn't that good. But I think long term, they have a lot of assets and they have a lot of skill. I think that with a new some new management, they can I don't know move in the right direction. Uh, I think overall with their coaching situation, Jared Bednar and what he was able to do with the uh, Lakey Monsters last year was impressive, especially given what he, how he worked everything to the back end. And he had you know, some dynamic defensemen to be able to get it done. And this year, I mean, he has Tyson Berry, he has Eric Johnson, he has Feder Tutin, and Feder Tutin isn't bad possession-wise. His shot differential numbers aren't terrible by any stretch. But the real problem with him is... He doesn't contribute anything offensively, like anything. 
So like he he may be able to prevent some stuff at the blue line, and he may be able to you know get your like you know moving down the ice. He just does not bring a single thing, and it's it's a shame. And I think it's a main reason why the Blue Jackets wanted to get rid of him because they wanted to move, uh, you know, have much many more puck movers, and they've accomplished that. And I don't know what the Avalanche are doing personnel wise. Their bottom six is like a hodgepodge of like veteran players who are past their prime. And but they also have like players like Duchesne, McKinnon, Landiscock. These are good players. These are players that like, you know, people would really, really like value on their team. And even then they still also have, you know, some younger forwards that can still contribute. They have Mika Rantanen, they have uh Grigorinko. These are players that I mean, I think anybody would like on their team. They're just not the the team is constructed and developed so oddly. They only have like a handful of players that they've like developed personally on the team. And that's that's really weird to me in this day and age where you have to build through your minor league system that they're just kind of you know picking things off uh, you know a player at a time. And that kind of seems you know that falls at the feet of Joe Sackett. So you know Patrick Waugh you know can be blamed for a fair amount of time, but. You know, the front office and the, per- the people developing the personnel have to be blamed as well, don't you think? Yeah, this team, <laughs> they're, everybody craps all over the others for being the old boy club team, but I think <laughs> Colorado is a perfect example of the same thing. It's just showing like a tremendous amount of loyalty to people that were, you know, good players for your organization in the past, and now they just like run the organization. They might not actually be the best hockey people in terms of decision making. I mean, this roster makes like no sense. Just up and down, I don't know. It's just. It's a weird team to look at. It's a difficult team to analyze. You expect that like their skill would be able to result in them, you know, doing a bit better than they are doing. Like you don't really. Uh, I mean, it's hard to word, but I guess back when they had their their weird year, I think it was twenty thirteen fourteen when they had like the skyrocketed PDO and the horrible possession numbers. It made some sense that they had a high PDO just because. I mean, there's a, like a stupid amount of skill on this team, and I mean, you're gonna have players with high shooting percentages. That's a reality. But I don't even know where I'm going with this. It's it's just such a weird team to talk about. Uh, but you'd expect them, you expect their underlying numbers to be bad. But you expect players like, um, like Gabriel Landeskog, for example, like perfect example of player who's just like not contributing much this year. Four goals, four assists, eight points, and half of them are on the power play. Only four points at even strength. Like that's that's really bad. And if you're if you're if you're a team with like as little depth as they have, then you have to be getting a lot more than that out of players like Landeskog, and they just they just aren't. Yeah, and I think running into a team like the uh, the Canadians is you know one of the reasons why you know it kind of just exposed what they are as a team, and and that's you know no fault to them because the Canadians are good despite what a weird roster makeup they are. I've never been a fan of their forward core. There, no. and they've always done well with it, no matter what. Isn't that like it's got to be like the weirdest thing ever? And Gachanyuk is out right now, and they have a couple other injuries, but they're still fine. Radulov has been an absolutely fantastic pickup for him. Patrick having a little bit of a renaissance year, and Shea Weber is doing what Shea Weber does. And Emelin, you know, for all of his you know huge hits and stuff, is still serviceable. What do you what do you make of the Canadians though? On the flip side. I think with Montreal, I don't know, I think I'll probably get some crap for this just because it's a largely unsubstantiated opinion in terms of statistical evidence. But I feel like when you have Carey Price in net and you have so much confidence in your goalie being able to bail you out and having you know confidence in him being above phenomenal, like legendary status, Dominic Hasek level good, then you can take more risks in your game. You can like, you know, pinch, pinch in at the blue line and try to like maintain your offense. You can you know like be deep in the zone and not have to worry about coming back like i'm not sure if there's any if that actually i'm not like a canadians follower i don't know the team i don't know the players personally so i haven't asked i this is just me speculating really but it seems as if when price is in net and this was noticeable last year too when he got injured and not only were they bad in terms of allowing a lot of goals because mike condon isn't very good but I mean, they weren't producing as much offense either. Everything kind of went to hell, and you don't usually, you wouldn't expect that just from losing a goalie. But I think when you lose, a, when you have a goalie this good, you can take more risks in your game, and players are more confident to do things offensively that are creative, more risky, and that results in them, I guess, being as successful as they are. I don't know if it'll work out in the playoff series when it, you know, it's tighter checking, and there isn't as much room for like that kind of play. But right now in the regular season, it's working out like very well for them. 
Yeah, and I think when you have Carey Price on your team, you can pretty much do no wrong. They can they can go through and play some teams and just you know get out shot or you know, and that's not actually happened as many times as one would think considering their roster makeup. But you know, nonetheless, it happens. And I think if you just have Carey Price on your team, it covers up a lot of the issues there. And you can have Shea Weber now, and he's playing fairly well, and he'll end up getting some Norris votes, you know, because he'll probably just, win. Yeah, yeah. A, I would not be surprised if he won. I think that I really think that there's a lot of people that vote for that that will vote for him with in the back of their mind, maybe not the whole reason, but just as kind of like a like a beacon to have against the like analytics blogger people to like kind of shit on them a bit and be like, hey, look, well, like Shea Weber's a Norris, you don't know shit. And then they'll have that kind of in their pocket. And I, I really wouldn't be surprised if he won. Like people talk about it as a joke, but I think it's going to happen. It could definitely happen. I don't. I don't. You know, really blame anyone for voting for him either. Because the story now. I mean, I'm not defending Shea Weber by any stretch. I think he's a good player. I don't think he's a great player. But I understand why now people are, would po- possibly buy into that. You know, almost as a redemption storyline. Because he gets traded from a team that has signed up to this long-term contract. He gets traded for someone who's like you know beloved at least in the city, but not by the team. And so he's kind of become someone that the, like, is endearing to the fans. Doesn't that kind of make some sense, though? Like, at least from, like, a mainstream media, you know, almost bingo list, right? I guess if you're, I mean, if if the MSM wants to do awards that way and they want to make them, like, you know, Disney World style where people win because it's, like, a storyline and it's fun. I, I mean, I get that. I don't really care about awards personally. Like, I don't. I don't take them all too seriously, but if you want to do that, then that's that's what's going to result in like significantly less credibility, and that's what results in you know a lot of writers getting a lot of crap on Twitter from the blogosphere when you're when you're making decisions for those reasons. Like, okay, we have to make Shea Weber the Norris Trophy winner because of X storyline, and it's going to be like an interesting thing to talk about when Eric Carlson's having his second consecutive historic season where he's putting up point per game. And it's just like incredible on like a fucking terrible team. Yeah, I I think they'll. I, I don't know how the, what the resolution's going to be there, and I I enjoy the the Norris debates, and I think a lot of people were shocked when Dowdy beat Carlson last year, but that's naturally going to happen. It's just it's just the nature of how you know the mainstream media works and how they are reactionary uh, in that way. Uh, I, what do you? Posing this question to you, obviously you're in Edmonton, so you know you see a little bit more of the West Coast hockey. But I want to talk to you about the East Coast. Obviously, East Coast bias here. What do you make of the Metropolitan Division overall? With like you know five of the top teams in the entire you know uh, like league in there over there. Yeah, it's a stacked division. I don't think anybody saw that coming. Like uh, nobody expected columbus to be good and they are good nobody expected new jersey to be pretty good and they're you know they're all right carolina's you know thoroughly solid team the islanders are kind of a tire fire but they're still not like a rollover and die team and it's just i don't know i think it goes back to just everything that's wrong with this divisional format like there's there's something nice about it seeing the same teams in the first round of the playoffs is kind of cool i guess but what we're probably going to see this year, if all things continue the way they're going, is a, a good team, like a team that finishes with 93, 94, 95 points is going to miss the playoffs. Someone pretty good, like, I don't know, the Devils, for example, there's a good chance they'll finish with a better record than, say, Detroit or, like, Florida, and they'll miss the playoffs, and that's kind of a shame. And it sucks that, like, uh, there wasn't really much wrong with the old playoff format, and I think all this one is going to do... I mean, I hate that I'm even talking about this because it's such it's such old news. But all it does is it's going to result in teams. At least one or two examples every year of a team that doesn't belong in the playoffs is going to make the playoffs because of this divisional format. And that is very evident this year in the Metro Division. And I think if people make a big enough stink about it, then, I don't know, maybe we can go back to a playoff format that makes some sense. We actually, I actually just talked about this with Travis Hughes, how we were talking about how all of the teams right now, at least on like point percentage alone, a lot of them are averaging, going to be averaging above a hundred, at least with the way that they stand now. They'll play against one another, so it's not going to necessarily get that crazy. We're five teams are over a hundred points, but there's definitely going to be a team that is in like the mid nineties uh, from the Metropolitan Conference uh, Division that like could miss. And that is a shame, and I I don't understand. I know the the reason that they set it up the way they did is so they could have more divisional rivalries. There could be more storylines, things like that. But 
even then, the way that it's been set up is there have been some like pretty big blowouts in the uh, like first couple rounds, right? Then there's also been some battles by the same token, but I I don't think it's accomplishing what they hoped it would accomplish. No, no, definitely not. I mean, I don't. I I really don't believe that you can force rivalries like. I, I just don't think having teams play each other all the time. I, I, I see the logic. and I mean, it makes sense when you think about it, but you, you just can't force it. Like, what what's the most important is having, you know, the best teams all play each other. And I don't really care if the players dislike each other so long as it's all the best players playing. It's You see those playoff series where it's uh, a second versus a third seed in a division like New York and Pittsburgh last year, and it's not even a contest. Like, they're right there in the standings, but the Rangers were significantly worse than the Penguins, and it was just... I also This also goes back to something I talked about, like, uh, a a few podcasts ago where I think that there really should be fewer teams in the playoffs. It should mean a lot more to make the playoffs in NHL than it does. Like, more than half the teams make it 16 out of 30. Uh, and by osmosis, like there's 23 teams competing for spots, largely because of how many times games go into overtime, and there's random points being thrown around. But there really only is like five or six really good teams, so it's kind of like the first round of the playoffs. It's there's such, it's fun to watch, but there's a lot of bad series, and that's partially because the seeding thing sucks, and it's also partially because way too many teams make the playoffs. Now. On that flip side, though, a lot of the Western Conference teams, especially uh, in the Pacific um, Division, are doing poorly. Do you think that like there at least should be some representation, like of the three teams? I know we talked about the format itself, but like, do you think that there should be at least a, be a minimum from a conference? No, like, from I, a division. I, I mean, no, I don't. It doesn't matter. It's, it's a. I, I'm not even a big fan of the conference. <laughs> I mean, I'm just sounding like some radical, but this is something that's talked about in the NBA quite a bit, actually. And again, I understand why it doesn't work this way. But in a perfect world, maybe it's something to consider. But it doesn't work this way, of course, because you want playoff series of teams in the same time zone just for like the TV. It works out easier than that. But in the NBA, people always talk about having it just be numbers 1 to 16 in the league making the playoffs just because there used to be the Eastern Conference used to be so bad and you'd have a, a team in the West winning 51 games and finishing 8th and then you know a team winning 37 games and finishing 8th in the East and they they talked about doing just a pure 1 to 16 in the league which I think would actually be pretty cool but I don't know if there's one league that does playoffs really well I think it's the NFL and it's like it's it's hard to make the playoffs it means something but it's not quite like the MLB where, you know, you have the AL beast and it's impossible to make the playoffs over, you know, the Yankees or Red Sox and it sucks. But in the NFL, there's enough wildcard spots that it doesn't go too far like the NHL where, you know, everyone makes the playoffs. But there's still just like the best teams and maybe only a few like pretty bad teams in the playoffs. I The playoffs, I, it's interesting that we're talking about them now, like right before Christmas time. It's obviously going to have a lot of change to it, and it should be interesting to see who drops out because I'm still not entirely sure how sustainable the Rangers are. I'm not still not entirely sure how sustainable the Blue Jackets are, even though they have like you know improved underlying numbers. They're just interesting and and fun in that regard. Now, I what a team that I want to talk about, and I know that we didn't talk about this on like our pregame prep or whatever, but I what do you think of the Ottawa Senators? They're probably like the most undis- like nondescript team in the league in my opinion but for whatever reason they keep winning and they're actually one of the teams right now that could sneak into the playoffs uh if they start you know if they started today what, what did you uh what did you think of it or what do you think of yeah, them I, I i feel like i'm i'm running away with all these answers like with colorado and montreal uh, they're they're weird teams but i think ottawa is the prime example of a team that just makes absolutely no sense i mean they're Sitting right now in 12th in the league, second in the Atlantic, 16, 11, and 2 with a 45.7 goals for percentage, 23rd in the league, bad, 47.6 Corsi percentage, 24th in the league, bad, and then a 99.3 PDO, 20th in the league, again, bad. So, like the three indicators that usually, more often than not, tell you how successful a team is going to be in the standings, they're in the bottom third of the league. And then somehow they just keep winning games and they it really makes no sense and I really can't see it continuing. But, I mean, I don't know. Like, <laughs> the division they play in isn't all too great. And here we go back to the division argument again. If it were just like an Eastern Conference thing where the top eight teams made the playoffs, then I don't think we'd be talking about the Senators making the playoffs. But since it's like you only have to be a top four team in your division, I mean, they could. The division's bad. And 
that's a result of like them playing bad teams very often. But I, I do think there's going to be some regression here. I don't think you can continue being out, not only just outshot, but just like the other team scores quite a bit more goals than even on in, um, in on, uh, losing my words. The other team scores more goals at even strength on Ottawa than they score on another team. It's just not going to keep up. I, you know, I think you may have been like, you know, drinking a little bit too much water there. That's why you were, uh, you know, <laughs> tripping over your words. I'm just messing. Uh, no, I, they have some really good players on their team. That's what, that's, that's like the really weird part of it is that, you know, they have Hoffman, they have, uh, they have Stone, they have some players, like Ryan. You forgot, Ryan. you forgot the one really No, I'm, one. I'm, I'm getting there. I'm working my way to Eric Carlson. Oh, Come yeah. on. Oh, they have and, Dion for, uh, yeah, they right. Have. No, but they they also have like some younger players like Ryan uh, Zingle, uh, who's actually been really good this year. Former Ohio State uh, product, who actually tore it up uh, here in Columbus, and he's been you know a surprising player for them this year. They have some good players, but what I'm worried about is they have a tough time in like identifying the right players to keep. If that makes any sense, uh, they they traded Jared uh, Cowan for you know Dion Phaneuf, and that's kind of a whatever trade on my end. They you know they ended up buying out Cowan uh, the um, the uh, the Leafs did, and you know they're okay with holding on to Phaneuf. But I'm like, I feel like they can find talent, but once it gets to the NHL, that's almost completely like a bit blinded by them. Like they want to like fill in roles. They want certain uh, people to play in certain areas, and it doesn't really make much sense to me. And I, I don't know if I'm wrong in that regard, or if I'm, you know, just like applying the same like thought process to multiple teams. That you know, now you need to have like a fourth line that does this. Now you need to have like puck moving defensemen in such a way. Uh, do you think that the roster construction is as messed up as I think? Uh, I don't know. I, the Senators are. Uh... I think um, I don't know if it's so much comes down to them drafting poorly or developing poorly or constructing their roster poorly, but we have to remember that they're they're a team that is an example of poor uh, I don't know poor ownership in that they they're in one of those internal budget teams that doesn't really spend, and then oddly enough, when they do spend, it's on six years more of Dion Phaneuf at seven million dollars, which makes no sense to me at all. I mean that trade that you mentioned with uh, Cowan and Milan McCulloch and Colin Greening, they dumped a bunch of cap space on short-term deals to pick up, you know, Dion Phaneuf on a long-term deal. Uh, I'm not really sure where this team's going. Um, they haven't drafted all too well. Uh, Cody Cece doesn't look very good. Uh, again, Jared Cowan, like you mentioned, high pick, not very good. Curtis Lazar, high-ish pick, not that good. They just they really haven't capitalized on like the high picks they've had for being bad, and it's kind of a shame because you have Eric Carlson here in his prime. Like I mentioned a few minutes ago, putting up like some like legendary seasons, some legendary production, like just below a point per game, and you can't capitalize on that, which I think is just like a real damn shame. And it seems that they're finding all these Mike Hoffman's, Mike Mark Stones, and Ryan Zingles, and you know, good like low key lower drafted players that don't quite have the first round pedigree but end up being very good but they can't seem to like hit a home run on a highish pick and get the star player to play alongside eric carlson it is it's it's a real shame and i they'll more like the way that they've been playing and their goaltending has been going even though their pdo is kind of normalized across the board i i feel like they're still going to sneak in just because that's what the senators have done you know they always do that either it's like a magical run or you know they have something happen they always seem to make it in and it's the weirdest thing because you hear about like you know the owner is cheap the arena you know is in such a is in such a position that you know you really can't do much and you're kind of thinking to yourself like what what's the deal here and they always end up making the playoffs and they have good enough players you know make a little bit of noise but they aren't you know they don't have a like they don't have the skill set to keep up with like the top teams in the league, and they are probably the, the definition of a middling team in this league. They, that's just what they are, and I don't think uh, that may be like taken as like a swipe at them, which it kind of is. But that's just what they are, and I feel like out of all the teams that need to rebuild or at least restructure, they're like one of the top teams for me. Yeah, um, if they if they if the Senators do make the playoffs, it'll. 
whoever plays them in the first round will absolutely like kick the crap out of them and it will just like reinforce what i said about there being way too many teams in this playoffs like i i personally can't see them beating out for them to make the playoffs they'll have to beat out i don't know uh you know florida or detroit or tampa bay or i mean even like washington right now new jersey or someone like that those teams are all better than ottawa i think yeah and it's tough it's tough to differentiate a lot of those teams too at least at the bottom I mean, when you talk about the Red Wings, they haven't been playing too well. You know, the Panthers, Lightning, any of those teams. I mean, those are damn good teams, and they, they've they've done a really good job. And even with you know a little bit of a cold streak for Holtby and a couple other players on the Capitals, they're also a really good team regardless, and they're putting up some points uh, by the same token. So it's going to be tough to get them out of wild card slot, even if they slip out of uh, the Atlantic Division race. Um, now, I guess before we go, we have a little couple of housekeeping notes. Um, when we're still trying to get the, uh, the podcast up on Google play, we're having some issues with our, some of our feed burner stuff. We still want to do a game show Friday with you guys, uh, the people that are listening. We should have our Twitter account up by, uh, at least edited the day today, which is going to be, um, coming out on uh, Tuesday the 13th. So that's something for you guys to watch out for. Um, but yeah, make sure to subscribe and rate us on iTunes. That'd be very, very appreciated. Um, Cam, do you have anything else you want to add before we go? No, just uh, leave us leave us leave us ratings, even if you think we're bad. And I mean, any feedback is always useful. We got we got one comment towards the very beginning, which just said one sided conversation with a one star. That wasn't all too helpful because that person clearly has headphones that don't work. But we got two other positive feedbacks, and I mean, that's always really nice to hear. But if there is something you want to tell us, or like things you'd rather have less. I mean, if you want us to talk about things more, talk about things less and let us know because, I don't know, ultimately the goal is to produce an interesting podcast and we have to hear from our listeners as to what they want in order to do so. Exactly. And if there's different ways you want us to structure the podcast or if there's different guests that you want us to have on, let us know because we've been having on some bloggers. We've been having on some, you know, bigger mainstream media people. Uh, We want to know what you want and what we can bring to you, the listeners. We uh, we appreciate it. Um, But until next time, I'm Sam underscore Blazer on Twitter. He's at Coom. You can follow NHL Numbers, obviously, at NHL Numbers. And um, soon enough, you'll be able to follow Watch the Game um, on Twitter. So be on the lookout for that as well. But until next time, mm, bye.